Today on the Movie Podcast, as we continue the series of Tending the Garden of Our Hearts, we will be joined by Blakely Page, who is a dietitian as well as an all-around amazing person. She will be talking about the impact that food has on our emotions, as well as touching on the connectivity that we all need in our lives. We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt. Because let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So we're trying something different and choosing to live intentionally and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Welcome to the Moo Lily Podcast. Well, it's great to be together again. It is. It's been a while since we recorded. It has. If you are listening to this, please go and subscribe to the podcast. Please. <laughs> you probably noticed over the summer we had some pretty major hiccups. We disappeared. Yes. We left the podcasting world. Yes. Not of our own choice. No. So everything, anything that you might have missed is on the website. Yes. Um, but if you if you haven't, mm-hmm. we would really love to have your subscription. And please. if you are a subscriber and you like us, please leave us a review. Yeah. Because that's going to get us out in front of more people. It will. But we are Christina. I'm Christina. <laughs> and this is Christiana <laughs> and her unborn child, <laughs> who is a delight to have among us. <laughs> we were just talking about how. For those of you that don't know Christiana super well, she's an incredibly intelligent. <laughs> she's like genius level among oh, like the rest of us. Oh, so stop. when she's pregnant and her brain slows down a bit, <laughs> it's kind of nice <laughs> for the rest of us. Yes, I was telling her how my friends and family love it. And they're like, it just gives us a chance. But it's hard. It's actually, it's really, it's kind of traumatizing for me because I'm like, there's just no thoughts. And I'm literally just like staring at the wall thinking about grapes <laughs> and like nothing's connecting and I zone out of conversations and I'm like is this what normal people are like <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> no <laughs> welcome to the real world <laughs> no it's just it's hard when you're used to be able to think quickly and communicate quickly mm-hmm. and like be right there and it's like <laughs> nothing is happening up there so this <laughs> series is called <laughs> Tending the garden of your heart. Yes. So it's going to be a highlight. It's going to mm-hmm. be a, a unique one because mm-hmm. Christiana will be tending the garden of her heart <laughs> and her body <laughs> and belly. Her, <laughs> her belly. <laughs> so uh, it's good. It's going to be good. It already is good. It is good. Yeah. So uh-huh. uh, we have some wonderful sponsors. We have a producer at Wooten Media mm-hmm. who keeps us alive. Gets us out there, so check, check out. him out. Yeah. He makes incredible wedding videos yep. and is a photographer and has some fantastic services. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on social media. We are, which we have done consistently despite being kicked off of iTunes. Yes. Yep. So check us out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're tweeting. Yeah. All those things. Check us out. Like us. Interact with us. We love it when you talk back. Absolutely. Okay, so today with us, we have Blakely Page. She has been a guest on this podcast before, and she is a professional in the area of food, which is something that we all engage in (laughs) every day. 
Some of us more than others. She pointed at me. <laughs> I'm pregnant. As is Blakely. Yes, So you can true. point at us both. There is like <laughs> five people in the room. That's right. <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah. So, Blakely, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background and your passion for really serving people in this area? Yeah. So, I am a registered dietitian and I have been for over 10 years at this point. I'm working with food and nutrition in a variety of capacities. I've done training with children with special needs, training on the holistic, more functional medicine aspect of things, looking at root causes of health issues versus just a standard American diet or, you know, thinking beyond the food guide pyramid as a dietitian. Um, I also have some training in eating disorders, which has really um, been crucial um, for me professionally and personally as um, the conversation of food and food in the American culture right now just continues to get more complex. Yeah. Um, keeping a perspective of, um, of overall health and a holistic whole person um, view around food has been a passion of mine. At the core, at the end of the day, um, I end up back at Healthy Families mm. and that is really what has driven um, my passion as a dietitian and what really allowed me to even stay in the field because I think we talked about this a little bit on the last time that I was on that I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a dietitian and the more I became passionate about healthy families and seeing each generation have its own specific needs um, the more I kind of sunk into a little bit more of my groove with the profession. I'm also a mom of now two. I'll <laughs> Yay. deliver my second girl in October, and I've got a three-year-old girl, so that's been super fun. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. So fun. Mm-hmm. So our first question or topic of conversation, we talked a little bit earlier about how if you were to put a plate in the middle of the table and have three siblings look at that plate and write a commentary on what they saw or how they felt or what their reaction was, it would be very different to if you had three total strangers, one who perhaps was a bodybuilder, one who was had an eating disorder, one person who had no opinion at all, they never thought about what they ate, would all have completely different lens for viewing the same plate of food. Yeah. Tell us about that. How does food... It's just an interesting concept when we think about the lenses that we look at life through. So in a lot of areas of life, we would naturally agree and recognize that I have a lens that I see that through because of my past experience or because of my history. But we often don't apply that to food. We probably don't need to all the time. I mean, it's I mean, this is kind of a (laughs) a niche area. (laughs) So, of course, these are things I think about. Um but everybody comes to the quote table with a different perspective or a different history mm-hmm. with food. And so it's fascinating how much our emotional world, our inner world, our history affects how we view food, how we interact with food, how we deal with food. Yeah. And anyone who's had any struggles around food, whether it be weight loss or eating disorder or food allergies or just any anything thing in their life that caused them to have to think a little bit more intentionally about food than the average person Mm -hmm. would agree with you know would kind of understand this concept but a lot of people don't realize they're coming to the table with ideas judgments preconceptions about food 
right. what other people are supposed to be doing with food. So if you put a vegetarian, a bodybuilder, and a, someone who eats gluten-free around the same plate, then they would all make their first assumption of that plate or their commentary on that plate would be vastly different, even though the food and its core nutrients are all the same. Right. And so um, from that standpoint, there's actually a, some research that's developing more and more around are the emotional drivers behind nutrition and food and how we make food choices and even how we are successful or maintain weight loss or maintain healthy habits. They're saying that's actually much more about your emotional world and the health of your emotional world world than it is about what foods you choose. Right. So what was the percentage you said before how they used to look at it? Like exercise and food as opposed to emotion versus what you're eating. Yeah. So some of these things are starting to overlap more and some of them are still kind of different worlds. But there's been the, these ideas that like and some people say this like it's in research, but some people kind of throw it out a little bit flippantly too, of like 90 percent of weight loss success is about food and 10 percent is exercise. And now there's these this research that's starting to say, what if 90 percent of success around food or and success is even a wonky term what do we mean by that but (laughs) we won't go there yet um 90 percent of that is emotional 10 percent is actually the food choices you're making so those aren't hard stats from like you know a research article but um i was actually doing some reading in this area this week and actual PhD level university researchers are starting to tease out some of these dynamics because they recognize one of the kind of one of the researchers said it's more um, complex and fascinating than we would have ever expected when they dove into how significant are the emotional drivers around food Mm -hmm. to the outcome of what choices someone makes with food and it's much more intertwined and complex than the kind of food research world or diet world or weight loss world would have ever expected yeah of course it is someone swimming in those waters <laughs> of course it dealing is. with weight you know yeah. struggling to lose weight their whole life would be like oh you think yeah <laughs> you think yeah. it's complicated yeah <laughs> you know yeah but from a research perspective because research is what's going to give is going to help to highlight tools and yeah. new skills that become normal or become more commonplace or become acceptable within culture. Um, it's really encouraging to me that people are saying, hey, we recognize that your emotional world affects how you make food choices and affects how your physical body responds. So we might need to stop and pay attention to our emotional world differently than we thought in the past. Wow. So let's dive into this a little bit. How does food, what we put in our mouth from a day-to-day basis, affect our overall morale? So if we're dealing with anxiety or high levels of stress, we're in a season. So that the topic that we're talking about is tending the garden of our heart. So sometimes there are seasons or we're walking through circumstances that are incredibly difficult and we can't change the actual circumstance how can we care for ourselves in the midst of that how how is what we're eating affecting our emotional or how do those two things interact yeah um so they're gonna interact 
I'm gonna, there's kind of two sides to the same coin. I'm going to do my best to be kind of as succinct and clear with kind of both concepts. So one way that they interact is the food choices that we make affect our physical body. Obviously, we know that. But actual whether we're eating a brownie or a piece of fruit or a piece of salmon or rice or nuts the way the food choices that we actually make change and affect the biochemistry of our body so in times of high stress our body our mind and emotions tend to go to quick fixes Mm -hmm. to get comforted Mm -hmm. to get soothed Mm -hmm. to get um to get feeling good right and so that tends to be carbohydrates and sugar for most people where they feel those drive of those cravings and that sort of stuff and so in times of high stress sometimes we lean more towards those types of foods because they give us a dopamine response in the brain they actually physically give us a little bit of a a temporary high right i i feel like it's that thing where i have different friends who will go oh my gosh well i'm really craving this thing my body must need it and i'm like i don't think your body needs a donut Right. You know, but there's yeah. a reason your brain is telling you, I need this right now to right. fix what it is that I am feeling and experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. And our past experiences with food, our family's orientation around food, what our moms and dads and key, you know, authority figures said and did with food mm-hmm. affect where those connections are made. Right. So someone, one person might feel really guilty for wanting a brownie when they're stressed Mm -hmm. another person might feel like that's exactly what they should be having because they're stressed Mm -hmm. and that goes back to those kind of key (laughs) relationships and how they form us over time so that would be probably a whole nother podcast but (laughs) so we have to recognize that when our body is stressed it's going to crave things Mm -hmm. the other thing is that when our body is stressed we have this spike in cortisol which actually affects digestion pretty significantly so there's a lot more research about how stress and digestion are connected um and recognizing that when we are in a fight or flight mode so a bear is chasing me i have to run for my life digestion actually (laughs) um almost shuts down it ramps down because getting food digested is not the body's priority when you're getting chased by a bear right Now, we have such a chronically stressed environment in America that our bodies are acting as if we're chased by a bear all the time. So the body doesn't know the difference in a perceived threat and a real threat. Right. Wow. So So a toxic relationship or a broken relationship or a stressful relationship that causes you to be on high alert or have anxiety every time you think of or are with that person your body doesn't know that that's a perceived threat mm-hmm. and not an actual bear in the room that threatens your life. So the cortisol spikes, digestion shuts down. We get constipated. We get nauseated. We get, um, we get bowel irregularities. So we might start to have some IBS symptoms. Wow. We might, um, our gut microbiome. So the balance of good and b- bad gut bacteria begins to shift because there's not enough support for the good bacteria when enzymes aren't being produced when our digestion rates down we don't produce as many digestive enzymes so we don't digest our food as effectively so we're more susceptible to food intolerances and food sensitivities Mm -hmm. and there's this cascade of then 
adaptations that the body has to begin making to keep itself well. So we're in this place of chronic stress or of high stress for long periods of time. The body then moves into physically compensating for all these processes that are getting taxed and, uh, you know, reworked because our lives are living in a perceived threat. And then you're so screwed up. You don't know left from right. Exactly. So then you get to a place where you're like, so what is it? What is happening? Yeah. And those are the types of people that we see in our office a lot of times. They've been to multiple doctors. They've got chronic pain. They've got chronic digestive issues. Their anxiety is through the roof. And they go run lab work and or go to their doctor and they do some scans or do some labs. And the doctor says, well, everything's normal. Like, well, the fact that I feel horrible and can hardly function isn't normal. Mm -hmm. So we've got to back up and start looking at, okay, what's, what's the why? Essentially we start asking why. Yeah. And, you know, whole other issue of like functional versus standard reference labs, (laughs) just because a lab comes back normal doesn't mean that the testing was as comprehensive as it should be to look at, to see what's really yeah. going on. You have to know what you're looking or for. Or that it's an optimal right? level. So yeah. standard reference ranges for labs are based on um, large groups of people to prevent disease. So right. this is where that this lab needs to be for you to not have a disease. <laughs> right. And that is a huge gap between yes. feeling well and having a diagnosable disease. Yes. Wow. And so when we, so kind of back to the original place of when we're stressed, what do we do? We have to look at what are still fundamental, key, nourishing things that my body needs to keep its processes moving, to keep things um, in check. Sometimes it's less about what actual food choices you're making and more about how you are keeping that, managing that stress level. Because if we can ramp down the stress level and get out of that chronic perceived threat, then our body can oftentimes reboot and re-engage on its own. Enzyme production goes up. You know, gut gut microbiome might shift back and, you know, we can, we still might be in a window of being able to adapt back to a more, you know, a place where we're not having symptoms. Yeah. So that was a long way around to some of that answer. And there's probably a lot more ways mm-hmm. we could go with it. So you can <laughs> direct me, but yeah. Um, no, that's super insightful. I love that concept of the bear in the room. Cause we all understand fight or flight, but the difference between a perception of danger or stress and the reality of it and how our body does not know the difference. Yeah. Right. Um, and just being aware of that. And the same would be true from a sense of stress from not getting enough sleep to stress from a relationship to stress from your job to stress from over exercising. Mm. Every single one of those areas that would that would be considered stress. The body doesn't know the difference of whether it's because it's financial or it's physical. It doesn't differentiate. It doesn't care. (laughs) Right. It's. It's taxed. It's overburdened. It's too much. And so looking at, and that's, I mean, where our rhythms come into play too. Yeah. How do we learn to recognize that and begin to be able to ramp down 
not just for our emotional world, but also for our physical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just really leads us right into the the why of, or not the why, but the how, the what. So when we're in a stressful season, how do we approach dealing with our health? In light of that understanding, yeah. uh, what do we do? I think one of the first things is to come to it with um, a kindness to yourself. That in times of high stress or in times of when you can't, like Christina had mentioned, when you can't necessarily change the circumstance immediately, you have to figure out how to weather that storm. Mm-hmm. Then we need to first start with a sense of kindness and recognize I may not be able to do everything that I know I should or know that I could, but to stop and decide what can I do. And so some of that is going to be things like basics, eating enough fruits and vegetables, getting enough of the good things. So Mm -hmm. I always come at food with um, the hopes of abundance mentality versus Mm -hmm. the scarcity mentality. So it's much more about getting enough of the nutrients your body needs rather than avoiding all the stuff it doesn't need. Okay. When we come from that perspective first. I think that's huge. Yeah. We come with a sense of kindness and a graciousness to ourselves. There's a misperception (coughs) that in times of high stress or when we are taking on a lot or we're required to carry a lot that we deserve certain things. Uh Mm. Yeah. So I had a really hard day. I deserve a brownie. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that that's bad to end a hard day with a brownie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But are we aware that that's what I'm doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, being pregnant, I'm having this conversation with myself all the time. At the end of the day, not only have I gotten through the day, but I'm also... It's nine o'clock and I'm legitimately hungry where I cannot go to sleep until I've eaten something. Mm -hmm. So I have a choice to make. Do I kind of reward myself (laughs) and go into this indulgent place of I'm tired, I'm pregnant, I'm hungry and have whatever I want or have cookies or have ice cream or make a, you know, made something the other day. It was like nine o'clock and I was like, full-on cooking (laughs) 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 you know do I do that or do I have enough options in my home like berries and coconut whipped cream or something where I can really enjoy and nourish myself well peanut butter and apples might not sound that exciting but it's still going to give me it's going to nourish my body. It's going to give me something to eat. I enjoy eating it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to stay with me longer than a cookie or a brownie would. Yeah. And so can I stop and step back and say, okay, what would actually be good for me right now versus indulgent? Mm-hmm. What would be restorative and nourishing to me versus indulgent? Mm-hmm. And those concepts and wires can get so easily crossed mm-hmm. because we often think that being good to ourselves is giving ourselves whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in the realm of food, more times than not, being good to ourselves is giving ourselves what our body needs. Mm-hmm. And the more nutrient-dense d- option is going to be what really nourishes our body. Now, that is not at all saying that those other things don't have a place because they absolutely do. And they need to have a place and they need to be enjoyed and they need to be enjoyed without guilt and without shame. Mm -hmm. And when you're tired or when you're rested or when you're hungry or sometimes even when you're not even very hungry, you know, there's gotta be a level of flexibility with the cookies, the brownies, the cake, the ice cream, the Mm -hmm. what chips, whatever your thing is. 
um, that we're not going into guilt and shame. Yeah. But we're also be being able to step back and say, am I being overly indulgent yeah. when I could actually nourish my body in this moment? When we nourish our body, then we have a different level of resiliency mm-hmm. for the next phase of the day or the next day. And we've created a, a consistency and a pattern and a habit that says, I'm going to go for sustainable nourishing things in my life versus quick fixes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In every area of your life, not just food. Yeah. But that, it goes that, way that's a mindset. Food. Yeah. I, I really love this concept of um, look at what, like how can you build in the good things rather than cutting things out? Because that's mm-hmm. that's my classic downfall when I'm trying mm-hmm. to eat more healthy or I'm trying to shift something. I have this big list of things I can't eat. So then I stand there like in my kitchen and just don't eat anything because I don't right. know what to do. Um, and I've been trying to recently because it's there's just tons of amazing fresh fruit. I love kind of the summer fruits. So I'm trying to choose things that I really enjoy and they might be a little bit more expensive they might not really be in my budget but I'm going to buy that big bag of cherries Mm -hmm. because that is a a pleasure to me to eat that and it's nourishing my body so to try and have things in my house that will kind of hit both those needs like this is really it feels really good and it's doing me good right I've sat with clients recently and we've literally just made lists of foods that they like because we forget Right. To sometimes eat things mm. that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so we made a list of foods that they like. And then, then they sat and they we kind of circled foods that were also nutrient dense. And, and by nutrient dense, I mean, you know, they're going to be real food. There's not yeah. processed, you know, processed ingredients, chemicals. Most of you can kind of see where I'm going with that. So, and this person that I sat with, she was so surprised at the foods that she liked that were nutrient dense. Hmm. She just had kind of lost track of what they were. Wow. And so we just made a list of nutrient dense foods and she, and actually we went the other way. We made a list of nutrient dense foods. She named what foods would you consider their nutrient dense? And of course they're primarily high quality fats, meats, um, fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and nuts and seeds. Um, so she makes a list of all those and then she circles the ones that she likes and it was like all but one. I think she only put one thing on the list that she didn't like and it was this huge list of food. And so we're looking at, so when you're hungry and tired, if you had this list in front of you, would you be able to choose things that you would really enjoy? And she said, yes. Wow. I just don't think about it when I'm hungry and tired. I go, I look at the potato chips and know Mm -hmm. that that's gonna, that salty fat is going to make me feel better faster or I don't even think of the other options. Yep. And I had a very similar experience at Costco this week. They had organic cherries, raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries, all of which were essentially the same price as what I would pay for a little container at Natural Grocers. So I was like, we are eating berries this week. Yeah. And that's what we're doing, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And so for breakfast, we get to have a big bowl of berries at night. Like last night, I ate a hard-boiled egg and blueberries before I went to bed. And it felt so good. Wow. It felt so good Mm. to nourish my body well. Mm -hmm. I think at some point, we have to explore the emotion of, I deserve this. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you're talking about how your sister who's a therapist how you share a client and the realm of 
dealing with the emotional things and dealing with the body, how those things intersect and connect. And I feel like at some point we have to, in kindness to ourself, be willing to start exploring what does that emotion feel like where I go, well, I deserve this right. and what's behind that thing. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a really powerful force in our lives, especially as women who are mothers <laughs> and have busy yeah. careers or anything when you reach the end of the day and you're tired and you're worn out and right. you're hungry. Yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, I think even in the mom world, there's, I think, a propensity to feed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I work so hard. I take care of the kids. I do the laundry. I do all these things. I get the kids in bed, and I just want something for myself. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I'm totally that way. Yeah. And I don't think that it's wrong to, to do that. I just think we can probably ask ourselves some of those questions of, is this really what I need or is it what I want? And I hope that I'm developing the character and the competency to lean into what I need right. versus only what I want. Um, and again, it's the balance. It's not like we never have what we want right. by any means, but it's when we live in a constant state of the indulgence, mm-hmm. then it's it just shifts the course of our life not to mention <laughs> what we feed ourselves right yeah and because that attitude plays into relationships it plays into the way you spend your money yeah. it plays into everything i mean it would play in just as much as it would play into my life with a brownie it would play into my life with with tv right you know at the end of the day i deserve to watch a show mm-hmm um, or three or three <laughs> or five for real yeah, yeah. totally what I really need mm-hmm. is to probably connect with my husband or my own heart right yeah and so learning just the balances of those because n- not it's not like I'm a better person because I go have a conversation with my husband or journal at the end of the day instead of watch Netflix yeah but over time that stuff catches up with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you realize from a food perspective, either I feel horrible, I have no energy, or I've gained weight, or from the you know another perspective, I'm out of touch with my relationships, I'm out of touch with my own heart, mm-hmm. I don't know what I actually feel, but I'm crying, and I have no idea why I'm crying, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I've numbed it out with Netflix and brownies for the last three months, and so <laughs> right. I'm not up to speed with anything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <And so> preach it. <laughs> Yeah. Part of what I'm, you know, personally learning, this isn't on the professional side, but what I'm personally learning is how to stay up to speed with myself. Yeah. And part of that is asking myself, what do I need versus what I want? Mm-hmm. And having the courage and the kindness to myself to try to respond to what I need. Yeah. Boom. Quotable. You dropped some great <laughs> quotes last time you were with us. Yep. Right there. <laughs> yeah. That's profound. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's follow this theme into um, our rhythms of life and our rest. So separate from food, obviously everything is connected. All of these things are related. But how does the pace of life and the rest that we allow ourselves um, affect our health and yeah. our well-being? It affects everything that we've talked about on multiple fronts. I'll pull out a couple of them. The first one is adequate sleep. Mm-hmm. So when we do not get adequate sleep, and I'm talking seven to nine hours consistently a night of 
mostly uninterrupted. I mean, granted, if you've got kids, that's not always yeah. an option. But if you can get the most uninterrupted sleep as possible, mm-hmm. um, that shifts your entire stress response. Wow. So you, our bodies are so much more resilient mm-hmm. from an emotional standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and from a physical standpoint when we get enough sleep. Um, the time that we spend sleeping actually reorganizes and rewires the brain where it actually needs that amount of time to be in REM sleep to literally reorganize itself. Neurons, um, change and shift physically in our brain when we're sleeping and the ability for them to do that in a restful state changes our anxiety levels, changes our responses for the future. And there's a fair amount of research that's happening on all of that. How are the actual neurons mm-hmm. in our brain shift and change during adequate sleep and inadequate sleep? Um, when we're not sleeping well, we don't have the emotional capacity and resilience. Yeah. When we're exhausted yeah. mm-hmm. from just being tired, not necessarily physically exhausted, but just being sleepy. Yeah. We can't even start to ask that question of what I need versus what I want. The mm-hmm. brain literally does not have the capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're seeing this so much in children, children that are not getting enough sleep because they're not playing outside. They're watching too much TV. Their lives are overscheduled. Right. Whatever it is, they've got underlying biochemical issues that are not balanced. And so they have a hard time sleeping. We look at these kids and then they show up to school and they can't learn. Yeah. And it's not behavioral. Mm-hmm. It's that their brains have not had what it needed overnight to rewire and reorganize and reset to give it what it needs. And adults are experiencing the same thing. But mm. when you look at how the mental health um, issues that are happening in kids, the suicide rates of kids, the suicide attempts of kids, the mental health medications, all of those types of things happening with kids. I mean, this is not at all saying that it's only because of sleep, but sleep is a huge component of that. Yeah. And having a well-rested child and having a well-rested adult, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a huge component. So sleep is high on my priority list. Yeah. So can we, and these are huge topics, but what if, one, so there's two, but the first, what if you're struggling with insomnia? Where, and that's so complicated. Why? Yeah. But what what would even be the first place to start if you have very fitful sleep? What would be yeah. your just immediate quick, here's a thought. Two really quick thoughts. One would be essential oils um, to help calming and sleep. Um, I just um, had a gal who was having some pretty traumatic PTSD PTSD dreams Mm. and trauma dreams, nightmares that were waking her up a lot. And she started using juniper berry oil topically Mm. before bed and they reduced significantly. Wow. That's awesome. So looking at, um, you know, maybe oils that connect to some of the emotions that you're experiencing, but your general sleep oils like lavender, cedarwood, vetiver, um, frankincense, just anything that's going to be calming and soothing. That's going to give you a more restful environment. The other thing is magnesium. Yeah. Magnesium. I just wrote a blog about magnesium this week for the office that I work for, calling it the the quiet epidemic of magnesium deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes magnesium is a huge source of sleep difficulties, restless leg, muscle twitches, all that sort of stuff. 
So that's caused by too much magnesium, isn't no, it? No, too little. Oh. No, too little. Okay. So to calm down and sleep better, um, I've seen this a lot with children, particularly kids with special needs. We add a little magnesium supplement yeah. and they are sleeping so much better. The same with adults. It would not be, um, you know, crazy to think that an adult would need 400 to 600 milligrams of supplemental magnesium a day um, just because. <laughs> because our soil sources of magnesium have been declining since the 50s. Um, the chloride and or chlorine and fluoride in our water yeah. binds magnesium, and so we don't we don't get as much magnesium from our drinking water okay. than we used to. Um, our stress levels use up more magnesium. Hmm. Um, sugar requires more. Mm-hmm. Um, eating sugar requires more magnesium from the body, so it it takes it from the body. Um, carbonated and caffeinated drinks uses up more mm-hmm. use up more magnesium alcohol consumption uses up more magnesium so we have all these environmental factors yeah that suck out all our magnesium mm-hmm. and then we're we can't focus we're irritable we can't sleep and sometimes it's as simple as some magnesium glycinate <laughs> or magnesium citrate wow which is super easy to get in multiple yep. forms mm-hmm. and just start taking you know an hour before bed some people use it morning noon and night and it's all that they need for better focus and less anxiety so magnesium essential oils would be my quick ones for sleep um and then um turning off screens at least an hour before bed yeah be a huge one huge that is huge i think that's so interesting because for years i heard people say you know i can't fall asleep unless i have the tv on or you know i just need to watch something at the end of the day to like yeah. wind down like to like turn my brain off so right. i can go to sleep but Which research is, is suggesting true. the opposite research suggests the opposite that we're actually turning on our brain but people's experiences of of i think sometimes what the tv's doing and they're, they're a person who's not super sensitive to the light stimulation mm-hmm. of the digital um, tv and it takes their brain off the stress things that they're right. it allows them to just numb out for enough time to to feel sleepy mm-hmm. and there's just different levels of sensitivity some people it almost takes a little bit of a detox time of like a real discipline of not having screens before they actually get to better sleep yeah mm-hmm. and then so then that person might need to use books might need to use so there's a couple apps that are amazing like headspace and calm.com mm-hmm. both of those apps are great to get the brain um kind of shutting down and calming down um i know my sister uses it with her kids like her seven-year-old they'll do a calm.com app they've got headspace and calm.com both have kids Hmm. versions where it's an app on your phone and you're doing a little bit of restful meditation to start calming the brain down interesting okay very cool so just our last question and you you've touched on this already but how do you think God is calling us to live? So in the midst of just the turmoil of our culture and our bodies and the stress and everything that's going on around us, how can we like orientate ourselves with the Lord to yeah. just to care for ourselves? The word that comes to mind with that question is connection. Mm-hmm. I think he's calling us to live connected. Um, and a human connection, a spiritual connection versus a digital connection. Mm. Um, we are lulled to sleep by the connections that we think we're having. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I've hit on, which has been <laughs> probably a little bit more broad than 
might be helpful for people, but everything we've talked about has had some element of connection to it. Yeah. We need to connect with our body and what is it telling me? How do I listen and respond to my body? I need to connect with what I want versus what I need. I need to connect with whether I need a, a relational connection or a spiritual connection. I mean, sometimes when I have clients who are overwhelmed with making food decisions or they're overwhelmed mm. with what I'm asking them to do with food, but I just need them to do some, some fundamental things to get some habits built, I will tell them when you're feeling overwhelmed, I need you to connect with a person. I need you to stop wow. and find a person to reach out to and connect with a human being. Hmm. Because that's going a safe human being. Yeah. <laughs> in your life. That's going not the clerk at um, McDonald's drive through. Right. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Or not, you know, the person in your life that triggers your anxiety. Right. <laughs> you know? So connect with a person, just reach out mm-hmm. and connect with a person because it's grounding. And so I think connection is what God's calling us to connection with our whole life and not just the parts that we want to connect with. Yeah. And when I work with people around food, whether it's a mom, you know, trying to figure things out for their kid or whether it's a postmenopausal woman dealing with her body image, you know, that Mm -hmm. is still lingering around there or whether it's a girl, you know, a 19 or 20 year old who is trying to shift how they, you know, how they work around food no matter what demographic it is I find myself always coming to the table with underlying questions that they may not want to be asking or answering Mm -hmm. Mm. and it connects some of the pieces for them of why the habits or behaviors are the way they are and if we're willing to connect with the parts of ourselves that feel good and are easy to connect with Mm -hmm. and we're able to let God in to give us the ability to connect with the parts that we tend to hide or don't feel as good about Mm -hmm. then he's got a way in for healing and for power of God to begin to move in that area and I think there's a real need for the power of God to influence what's happening in our culture around food and that I mean could go a million that that statement that I just made could go a million different ways but food has never been more complex eating has never been more complex um, I don't think than it is right now and we have to pull in the human aspect of it and ask God where do you need me to connect how do you need me to connect and he'll give us those answers he'll simplify things he'll give us the next step because it's not often a major life overhaul that we need. It's it's the clarity and the light of God that shows us this is the next step or this is this is the path. Mm-hmm. This is the and by path I mean this is the next step. This is the one thing that we focus on. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about, you know, how do we let God into these areas of food, I just think the word connection just keeps resounding for me Yeah, on multiple fronts. So good. I'm really hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you. I made it through this whole time. (laughs) I haven't thought about my own hunger. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. So I think my takeaways, I mean, this has just been so phenomenal, Blakely. Thank you so much for your wisdom and 
just for the simplicity in which you have unpacked some very complex issues, I think is really, yeah. really helpful. So the idea of writing a list of foods that you really enjoy and just having them available, like looking through them and saying, okay, this is really nutrient rich. This is something that's going to feed my body as well as just be a, a delight to right. me. Um, and having those on hand, I just think is huge. Um, the concept of um, keeping up with your heart, like just like that plays into what you were just saying about staying connected with the Lord, but not allowing that brownie or that six episodes on Netflix <laughs> to kind of numb the pain to the point that you don't know why you're upset or why you're anxious or what it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the time to step back and really listen to your own heart and be connected with those around you, those safe, important relationships and with the Lord, obviously. And um, and then what you said about sleep, I think, is really profound. It's one of those simple things that we probably all know on some level, but it's just so important to hear. Mm-hmm that like you made the comment that we can't be expected to be able to rationally process what's the difference between what I need and what I want when you're just so tired you Mm -hmm. can't think straight and I think everybody listening to this can relate to that whether you're pregnant whether you are like taking care of five kids or whether you're managing taking care of your children and working or managing a career and a ministry and whatever it is we all just have full plates and we just need to take care of ourselves with the basic things like getting a good night's sleep so and all of those things without shame and guilt because every one of those things that we talked about it can so easily flip on us yeah and become a place of shame and guilt where you know I'm amazed at how many people that I've seen over the years who don't think they deserve to eat foods they like Hmm. and on the flip side, people who are unwilling to try foods that actually nourish their body. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I see both for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but I'm, s- I, I think it's just because I've never understood that lens personally. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how quickly people get to shame and guilt around food. Yeah. And judgment yeah. and all of those things. So, yeah. So we still have grace and space for, mm-hmm it not being perfect or being even close to it. Yeah. But we still have to keep the questions on the table of what's best for my body. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I was going to go. What I was going to say that I think is impacting me the most is because we go so quickly to shame and guilt. So many people do. And it's the perfectionistic standard of, well, I should, it's the shooting all over yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I should be able to do this even though I don't sleep. Or right. I, sh- I should be making a better choice right now. And so there's guilt and there's shame. And so being aware of that process that we're spiraling yeah. into. Or I should able be able to do what the that other mom is uh-huh. doing on four yeah. hours of sleep. Right. You know? Yeah. When really you may not be a person who has the capacity to do the life you think you should on four or five hours of sleep. Yeah. And so stop trying to. Yeah. Get eight hours of sleep. And do less and engage and connect with your real life. Yeah. Instead of the perception of all the exactly. things you just mentioned. Just the, the doing the basics and having the mm-hmm. appropriate, this is what I can do. This is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. This is how I can be kind and care for myself in a simple way. So good. Yeah. So good. So good, as we like to say here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
thanks for being with us everybody and we hope that this episode blessed you as much as it blessed us and we'll see you again yeah bye, bye.